We say good evening. Good to see you guys. We uh, we're ready for some rest now. We're ready. You get you ready to rest. We uh. We've been dealing with each day of the creation week. We've been taking one day at a time. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? God created a magnificent, amazing amount of wonders as we have gone through uh, the first chapter of Genesis. Each day perfectly complements the other, sets it up for uh, what God has uh, in the ultimate plan. So He created the entire universe in six, real-time, 24-hour days, all those marvels that he did, and he did it within that time, out of nothing. Now that is an amazing God. That's our God. Show me something like that. What kind of trick can you find that like? And anywhere. Nowhere. So he brought it to complete perfection in six days. And so the time way, uh, as far as is concerned, is not figurative but it is in a literal way, and it was a supernatural work, had to be done in six days is coming from God. So what we speak of tonight, and I'll probably back up a little bit on finishing up chapter 1, but uh, basically we are speaking of God's rest. After He's made this tremendous uh, creation that we marvel at, then He does rest, and we'll try to... Uh, Get the meaning of that. Augustine, I think you have it on your outlines there, said, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. So there's a connection in the, in the rest that God has uh, as with uh, his people uh, dealing with rest. So he has a, he has a true destiny, uh, and that's to uh, us to find the rest that's found in Christ only. That's the only place that we can find the rest that uh, that He wants us to have. It's only through Him. So this is the destiny He has. It's for His people. And they are to rest as He rests. And that is to rest in, in Christ. Christ alone. So after the sixth day was complete, the seventh day then becomes a very unique, special, blessed holy day that uh, God makes and uh, blesses. And really there's about three parts here. It's like in verse 1, He finished His work of creation, then He rested, and then He blessed it. And that's the three things we're going to kind of work through. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our great Creator. Father, we thank You for this evening, uh, this day that You've given us. And it's just another day to marvel at all of Your wonders. You want us to look at You, the Creator, um, especially on that, uh, as we think about the day of rest, or on that Sabbath day, which gave people an opportunity to think of the, uh, the Creator and all the majesty and glory that He is. And we praise You um, that You have revealed to us through Your Word and Your Spirit how great of a God You are. And You're always wanting us to see Your glory. Thank You for that. That's quite the blessing. And so as we uh, look tonight at Your precious Word, may we gain a little more knowledge and wisdom about who You are as we can know You as the Bridegroom. And You're preparing for us to be able to meet 
someday when we'll see you as you are and we'll be like you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, when it's, I'm going to read chapter 2, the first three verses, and I might go back uh, a few verses uh, into chapter 1, and then we'll come back in here. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God entered His work which He had done. He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it He rested from all His work which God had created and made. He keeps saying rested. Uh, The work is done. It's done. It's done. Uh, And so He blesses this. Quite a day. I think there's something significant here before we were to uh, move on, so that's why we're going to uh, stop with these three verses. If you go back, uh, kind of where we were at last week, last couple of weeks we were dealing with the uh, topic of the image of God. Man is made in the image of God. And we looked at that. Um, There's a lot of things to go in there that we probably didn't cover, but that's very important to recognize that we... um, are made after God's image. We even see that even unbelievers are still a resemblance of who God is and what what He's about. Um, Of course, His own people are to uh, definitely show Him and His glory. Now, in verse 31, it says, God saw everything that He had made. Indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And this is where He says it was very good. On the other days, he said it was good. And now he says this is very good. That was the day that he created man. And uh, so a, a special uh, creation that he made at the top of his creation is man. And uh, if we back up into verse 29 now, here's what he did for man. God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed... To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that He had made. Indeed, it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. That's kind of where we were dealing with last week. What what is happening here is that God creates and He gives them, supplies them, blesses them with everything they need. Everything. And everything is going to be very good for them. And he gives a variety of things. You can imagine uh, food, for instance. Look at the different varieties. What if we just ate manna every day? Had nothing else. (laughs) Could be good for a while. But there are many things. And then the trees and the you know, all the different kinds of plants, the different colors that we have in the world. It's incredible what God has given us. Yes. Why did we eat why did we decide to start eating meat other than um, sin? Well, whenever, um, of course, we look a little bit later in Genesis and we find out, especially after the flood, that now, where it wasn't before, uh, we didn't even see death before sin. And then he he says, now uh, you can uh, you eat of animals. And so they ate of the flesh. Before it was just, um, you can imagine, the, the vegetables, the fruits, that uh, God had made. So God actually just told them to go ahead then and... Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I haven't gotten that far. It, 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 uh, it definitely changed. Yeah, we uh, we could be um, be taking a few... 
we'll be a little older before we miss <laughs> Yeah. One of these days. Hey, you want uh, you want to see something exciting? Go to First Timothy. First Timothy six seventeen. Take a look at this. This is how good God is. Look what he gives us. Six seventeen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. You say, what's that have to do with this? But in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. You know, I have to agree with that. Sometimes I might forget about that, but that's what he's done. He has richly given us things to enjoy. Not just given us things, but he wants us to take pleasure, uh, to enjoy the things that he gives. And that's kind of a God we have. We get in on that character. You see it right in chapter 1, how he wants to supply and take care of uh, his people and even the animals. All of his creation he takes care of, but he definitely has a special place for uh, uh, the people. Go to Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verse 18. Sometimes Ecclesiastes seems to be a a little bit too truthful and a little bit sad because we we can say uh, vanity of vanities and it seems like it's a a never-ending circle that uh, it's just not going to end. It seems like bad things. And then he breaks open in verse 18 and he says this, 5.18, Here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which the toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him for it is his heritage. As for every man to whom God has given, look at this, riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. And every one of us sitting here, no matter what your financial situation is, when you really think about it, we have been blessed. And, and in this country, uh, you keep saying that, or people uh, in this nation keep telling how bad a shape we are economically, but the fact of the matter is, we really are not. We have resources that are incredible. All oh, the resources that could be used and put people into work. But if people don't have a biblical view, they're going to take an upside-down view. And it seems like whatever they're thinking really doesn't make sense. And it doesn't. But if they don't have truth, eventually they're going to uh, worship the creature rather than the Creator. Everything is going to be upside-down. And so as the more you know the things of the Lord, you see how opposite we are in our thinking as the world is. And it seems like you can't hardly agree anything anymore with what's happening in the political realm, the social realm, the education realm. I mean, you just go on and on. Um, but God has given us truths, and we see that man uh, doesn't know how to rest. He doesn't know how to rest in God. He doesn't want to rest in God. But here He has given us all these riches. We are wealthy. We are incredibly wealthy. He takes care of us. We eat. We drink. We have a home. We we have transportation. We can go anywhere we want if we want to. I mean, we're not really bound by things. What a blessing. 
God meant for us to enjoy in this life. Even though you look at the rest of Ecclesiastes and you see some things that people chase after pleasure as being hedonist without Christ, and we see that no matter what they have, they're still looking for something. We have the answer. We're not looking for anything else. We have Christ, but it is nice to have some other things that we can enjoy while we're in this world, even while we struggle. Uh, go to Psalm 104:24. Um, that's a little bit about what God has given us as far as the the food and the necessities, and it's very good, isn't it? Isn't it very good? I think sometimes we take God and all His things He's given us uh, for granted. I know I do. I forget. Need to be reminded. 104.24, is that what I said? Oh Lord, how manifold are Your works. The word manifold there is like... um, Sounds like a car part, doesn't it? (laughs) Manifold. It's multicolored, multifaceted. Uh, you know, like like a diamond with uh, whenever the sun is uh, hitting it, uh, full bright sunshine or light, and all the different facets of that diamond come out. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. People worry about us running out of certain things, and uh, so they start putting laws on. Th- and the thing is, God has given us everything that we need. It's full of possessions. Your said possessions, huh? Mm-hmm. Huh. What does your say? Creatures. Creatures. Okay. All right. And what version do you have? I have a, a, a modern translation. No. <laughs> it's a New Age translation. Uh, in in this sense, you know, and that might be right because he's given us he's given us plenty of creatures. Can you imagine if we didn't have creatures and and all of his creation and such? Wouldn't it be dull without some of those? Now, some of those you could get rid of. A lot of the insects, right? has something to do with sin somehow. I haven't figured it all out yet. Yeah. God, what would you do there at sin? How would you do that? What were they, what'd they look like before? What would they do then? They were dinosaurs. Yeah. They evolved. Verse 31. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. Amen? May the Lord rejoice in His works. Rejoice. That's taking us now in to what it it says in our chapter two here, and uh, where we'll be moving into a little bit more as we move into verse two. Um, so we did twenty four and thirty one there, right? Go back to Ecclesiastes, which is actually forward up a little bit. Three fourteen. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before Him. So whenever He created, His whole idea is that this is now finished. My creative work now is done. Finished. Completed. No more creation. Boy, does that go against the grain of evolution. Because evolution really is uh, constantly talking about more creation, but it can't do that. It's running down, getting that. So the entire work of God, we know, is completed in the six days, the 24 hours, and whatever God starts, He will complete. 
Now I can ask you this, and probably most of you would say, yeah, I know, I've started some projects, and I really had good intentions, but I didn't quite complete it. Drives you crazy, too. You know, you wish you would have completed it. But God always completes what He starts. That makes me think of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He will complete our salvation. And, and He's faithful to do that. He will do it. He says it. Um, anyway, that's good to know, isn't it? So the new creation is going to be <laughs> complete. Um, but there was nothing more to create as we look here in uh, verse 1 of our chapter 2. Genesis. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them. Everything. Earth, heavens, everything it had done those first six days we've been studying were finished. Kala. Nothing more to create. The universe was furnished with everything it needed. It's like having a house full of furnishings. A house full of uh, furniture. Everything is all complete there. It's done. Um, in John 19.30, of course you think of the New Testament here, but Jesus said something that deals with redemption. It is what? Finished. So the work of creation is done and the work of redemption is done. And you say, wait a minute, there's other people to be saved. Yeah, but the work has already been done. The redemption was done at the cross. The payment was made. There's no more payment to be made at the cross. It was finished. So, uh, redemption is accomplished. And uh, the sins were paid for. Isn't it good to know of, uh, I don't have to pay? It's done. Somebody else did it. Um, so, four times we're told in this section that God finished all the work of creation. There you have it in verse 1. And then in verse 2, ended His work which He had done um, from all His work which He had done. He says that twice in verse 2. Then verse 3, blesses, sanctifies it. He rests from His work which God had created and made. Um, So you you have the uh, the finishing, the completing of. Uh, Of course, we'll run into the resting. Um, Everybody's heard of the first law of thermodynamics. Scientific fact, right? Scientific realm cannot disagree with that, but evolution disagrees with science. <laughs> what, what's the first law of thermo, thermodynamics? What do we have there? Is that what it is? Okay, what you have, it's conservation of energy. Remember? Energy cannot be destroyed, right? You cannot destroy it. You can't... You can't get rid of it, at least in the form that, you know, it's going to come out in a different form maybe, but, but it can't be created. I mean, you can't, you can't destroy energy, but you can't create any more energy. Um, so what this does is it rules out any kind of ongoing creation. There cannot be a continual creation that's happening because that's the first law of thermodynamics. Um, energy. What happens, though? It's converted, goes into a different form, but it's still there. But no new creation. What's the second law of thermodynamics? We didn't know the first one. Nobody caught that? We didn't know the first one. Okay, it's a conservation of energy. You can't get rid of energy. Okay, it's always going to be here. I mean, as as, as long as 
God wants it to be here. What we're saying, it can go into different forms, okay? And it's going to become less uh, efficient, less useful, but still yet it is there. It, it, um, it can't be destroyed, okay? Energy can't be destroyed. But the second law of thermodynamics says what? It's winding down, right? Going down. What does evolution say? What's that? Right. Winding down. And that start. We know where it started at sin, right? It was all perfect, as could be. It was very good. It was all on a level, and it, it wasn't at creation. It wasn't going down. But the spiral started at sin, and ever since then, everything. It winds down. It'll it'll be less useful. Energy is not destroyed, but it becomes. It goes from what? From a created order to chaos. What does evolution say? Everything goes up. Yeah. Can that be out of chaos to order? That's what they're saying. That's exactly what they're saying. The second law of thermodynamics, which is a scientific fact, it's a law. (laughs) You can't change this law. And so therefore, they have a problem with these two laws just in themselves. Explain evolution that's going up when we know that everything is going down. It's winding down. Incredible, isn't it? God finished His creative work. Yes? Yes? This isn't exactly something that I had written down when I thought it. To me, as humorous, with evolution, uh, they believe that nothing became something, and then that something blew up and became everything. Mm. Say it again. Evolution believes that nothing became something, and then that something blew up and became everything. That's what evolution is. And scientifically, something cannot come out of nothing. Now, God can create out of nothing, but He was already here. <laughs> and that's their problem. They can't put God in front of all that. Um, so, uh, I think many things that uh, are seen in creation today now are, if you just look at nature, there's corruption involved. You can look at it, and everything that we know is, is decaying in a sense. Um, it's it's not what it was at creation. It's a little less. You know, trees are trees. They're great. And we, we admire what God has done with something that still is corrupted because of man's sin. It makes me think of Romans 8. All of creation is groaning, right? They can't wait until their redemption. Our, our bodies are doing the same thing. We know that. We can't wait until we get glorified bodies. No more surgeries, Kim. <laughs> Kim has surgery Thursday. We'll remember that. We'll pray for her tonight. And then also while I'm thinking about it, Zach Whitson, be praying for him because he went to the doctors. He's had two doctor reports today here now, and they don't know what it is. Uh, they don't think it's dealing with his heart, but whatever it is, he's had a lot of chest pains. They're saying they don't believe it would be that because of his age. But um, at any rate, he didn't sleep last night. He got up at 3 o'clock. He just gave up trying to sleep. I mean, he's encountering a lot of pain. That's not good. So that's 
she said to um, relay that to you guys. I talked to Rebecca. So that could be a little serious. We'll we'll pray that it. Uh, hope hope that it's not there. Anyway, um, everything is on a degeneration. All things in the universe wear out today. I even find that in Scripture. Do you know that? Uh, back in Hebrews. Hebrews 1, and it's really a quote out of the Old Testament. So it's older than the New Testament. But I go here because I can find it quicker. Uh, Hebrews 1, verse 10. And, and this is where God is attesting to Jesus that He is God also. You know that? Did you know that God the Father said to His Son that He was God and He was Lord, that He created? This is God speaking. You, Lord, and He calls Him Yahweh there, in the beginning, here's our creation here, laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they will grow old like a garment. Oh, clothes. (laughs) You know the holes that, if you have clothes enough, does anybody ever wear out their clothes anymore? I think they buy so many clothes that they never wear. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Okay, we we have one back here. (laughs) Actually, wear it out. Like a cloak, you will fold them up and they'll be changed, but you are the same. Your eyes will not fail. So, things wear out. There he's even talking about clothes. Uh, They're going to grow old, put holes in them, but yet we see here that Jesus Christ does not grow old, does not change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever, right? Yes, right. You know, when you think about the fact that God created the world to be consumed in a, in a sense, right? Isn't that, what, isn't that what we learn here? That things are consumable, they're expendable, that's what we should expect. We don't want to be, we don't want to be bad stewards of that. You know, we don't want to be bad stewards of the resources given us. But we also, I don't think, should be surprised that that we are using the world. You know, yep. That the oil resources are depleted and like those, we shouldn't react like the rest of the world, like this, this shock and this mentality that we're gonna, we think we're gonna be here forever because we know that we're not. We should expect that, that we're consuming the world in a sense. Like that's why it's here. You know what I mean? It's what he gave to use. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what he said was gonna happen. Use it. It's wearing out. The earth is gonna wear out. Exactly. And that doesn't mean we should abuse it and like, you know, not. Not treated as if it were God's creation, but at the same time, we shouldn't be surprised. Or I think, just in a sense, we should be like, "Yeah, that's what God said was going to happen." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always called a balance. You know, here's what God He gives us. It's for us to use, uh, and it's it's like hunting. Hunting is He He more or less gave a commandment to go do that now, um, if if you want. Um, but then you don't go out, you know, trying to shoot every animal and just kill them just to kill them. Unless you've heard about those hogs. Anybody heard about the hogs? Yeah, did you see that show? Yeah. Those those things are taking over somewhere, like down in Georgia and places. Huh? In, in Missouri. They're in Missouri. We have the hogs. They're, they're trying to take cities over, aren't they? Crazy thing. They're making babies so fast that they can't kill them fast enough. Well, they need a lot of hunters down there. Got, we got a lot of we got a lot of food, you know. We have food. 
Hey, this goes along with the text. What, what does God say? He take take dominion over it. Well, we try to control it as much as we can, and we've done a pretty good job because they're not running our cities, they're not running our states, and all those other animals. But um, you know, it's it's something that you, you think about saying, "Okay, Lord, what? Uh, how, how are you going to have man?" Deal with this. You know, how they're going to be able to handle this? So instead of saving the wetlands, yeah. the one was told we should be putting housing on it for people. Maybe we ought to use a little wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Maybe people are more important than any kind of animal, right? Yeah. But that there again, there's where a lot of the world thinks differently on that. See, that's what I used to would have thought. I would have, I would have been like that. But now, did the world in in all of its um, uh, teaching? actually get their doctrine across over a certain amount of time, they're finally going to drill it into the heads. It's it's an education right through, right at kindergarten, right on up through. They've got that stuff. Well, Katrina, that's what it was all about. They protected the wetlands instead of building the right kind of bays and everything else to protect their inland. And that's why it flooded and destroyed so much. They had the protection there because they're wetlands and they wanted to save some particular little creature. And by that, when the surges came, they had no protection. And lost a lot of people and, and their homes. That part Or you may not have any apples at all. Well, let's take a look at verse 2. All right. On the seventh day, God ended His work, ended His work, which He had done. Back to Genesis. Sounds like a TV show, radio show. On the seventh day, God ended His work, which He had done. I want you to notice that. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He had done. It's like, God, you already said that once. Why do you put it in here again? I think there's a reason. Matter of fact, I know there's a reason. We might have to try to discover why that is. But have you noticed all the way through here that God has done a lot of repetition? He's made specific statements that are always perfectly put. And it's all well laid out. And so there are, every time that He puts certain words, phrases together like that, there's a reason for it. And it uh, definitely gets our attention, or it should. But there's a double emphasis there. Which He had done, which He had done. It's finished, He's completed it, and now a key word in this verse is He rested on the seventh day. He not only finished His work, but He rested. And some people would say, oh, God had to take a break. That was uh, pretty powerful stuff that He did, and He lost all of His energy. He needed to take a break. He needed a day off. Right? He was tired. We know better. Does God ever get tired? We know what tired is about. It's hard to imagine somebody never getting tired, expending 
huge amounts of energy and never getting tired. God never tires. So we'll look that up in Scripture. I think we're convinced with that. But we we better look it up just to make sure. I could be uh, bringing in false doctrine here or something. <laughs> Isaiah forty twenty eight. We know God never gets tired. Just a little prophecy here. He says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, Yahweh, the Creator, there you go, of the ends of the earth, has to take a lot of energy, right? The creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. Doesn't get tired at all. Never is weary. Wow. Okay, I'm there and you can go there. What's that? We're there now. Okay. Haven't you known? Haven't you heard? (laughs) The everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. (laughs) Got to like that. Hey, this is our God, folks. I mean, He's a supernatural, super powerful God. We're on His side. He wins everything, all the time. 121.4 Behold, he who keeps Israel. Shall... Psalm 121, verse 4. I give you guys outlines. I expect you to be there before I get there. 121. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither what? Slumber nor sleep. He will not sleep, doesn't slumber, he doesn't tire, he is always awake. You got there? We might get there. All right. We'll try to get there. All right. What's our key word here? Slumbers. <laughs> slumber, yeah. He rested. That's close to slumbering, but not not in his dictionary. The word is Shabbat. Shabbat, rest. Um, there's there's two aspects to this resting here. There's one negative aspect in that he abstains from creative work. He's not going to do any more creative work, creation work. God ceased his creative activity. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not involved. It's not like that he wound up the clock and then he just took off. He said, that's it. You know, that's, that's deism. We don't believe in that. It's not Christianity. No, he's involved in everything. He's providential. God definitely is in everything. I'm glad he is. But he is not creating. His work was so perfect and done so well. He's already stated that. It's finished. That, that creative part is done. But uh, the negative aspect here is that uh, he he ceased. He he stopped doing that um, as he is still sustaining. But he's he's still working in the sense that Jesus spoke about that in John five fifteen. I inserted another one. I just did this earlier today after I'd done those outlines. And then again. It's it's actually it starts fifteen. I want to start it at seventeen though. Okay, save some time. Jesus answered them, and uh, these are always the you know the religious people that he's getting at. My father has been working until now, and I have been working. 
So the father is still working. He's involved. He's involved with all of um, his creation in that he's providentially caring for it, doing what he's doing, but he's not creating. Now, uh, we said chapter 31 of Exodus, didn't we? Okay. One thing we know we know what it doesn't mean is that he is um, he he gets tired he gets uh, he has to take a break uh, we know it doesn't mean that and we know on the sense that okay here's what it does mean it means he abstains but now we're getting into a part that I think is even more descriptive of what this idea of resting is in Exodus 31 you have the law. And you have the Sabbath being given. Now, the Sabbath in what we know of is not mentioned directly back in our, Revela- our Genesis. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a direct mention there. But later on, we will see something dealing with the Sabbath. He's not laying down a Sabbath law. He's just saying he rested on that seventh day. Um, in Exodus 31.17... Talking about the Sabbath here now. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days... Here we go. Look, he's referring back to the creation where we've been talking about. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day He rested and was refreshed. Refresh. Now that sounds like again, oh, Dennis. It sounds like he had to take a break and get a refreshing. You know, I'm really tired and he get refreshed. Well, what what's the meaning of the Hebrew here? The idea is to be pleased, to be satisfied, to take joy in, to take delight in. Are we getting somewhere here now? The negative aspect is that he ceased. But the positive of that, and still bringing in this meaning of this uh, word, is that God ceased to admire, to be pleased with, to enjoy, to take pleasure in His creation that He accomplished. It's it's like, in our vernacular, to sit back, relax, and look what He made. Like an artisan. Like somebody who just uh, did a painting and they're finished with it, and everything is done, nothing to add, and they just take a look at it. And he said, it's very good. Yeah, Barb. So, in that case, then, abstain would not be a good translation? Is your word abstain? Yeah. That's okay. That's the, that's the negative part of it, which means that's, that's good. That's, that's good. That's, that's right. getting into what the Hebrew means. Okay. Okay. But there's a... There's a the other part of that also means that he delighted and as he rested, he took joy in this. Man, I mean, you know, he's perfectly satisfied with this. How could he not be? Because everything he's going to do is going to be perfect. It was completely finished. He could have all done it, done it all in like six days of creation. Boom, just say that. Boom, even quicker than that. It's all there. He just thinks. But no, he took one day at a time and did so much each day. And we see it here in Exodus. Uh, and I think it is good evidence to show that these are literal days. As he 
referring the Sabbath as a seventh day, and he's saying six days it took God to create, seventh day rested. Here, this is going to apply now as they bring the thought of the Sabbath in. It's another one to put down as saying, ah, literal six-day creation. Kim? You know what blows my mind to think is that um, he there wasn't anything before he created it, and he he came up with these these things to make. I mean, we can't think of anything that we could make that isn't made up of something else that we've already seen or or known or heard about or something. We cannot think of anything new, really. It's all based on something else that we've. You know, we put things together and and that kind of thing, and and he just you know, just you see what I'm saying? He just absolutely, he just, it's like just all out of nothing. Nothing that that we would even who could do that? I mean, we could never ever think of even begin to think of something like that. You try to sit there and try to think of something. Okay, I'm I'm going to think of something completely new, and it's always based on something else. You can't, can you? That's right. <laughs> nothing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Ex nihilo. I mean, this is incredible. This is our God. <laughs> Man, this is our. This is incredible. The more you think about it. Talking about the Sabbath, what day is actually the Sabbath? That would been the well, as we see in the law, as you see, like in Exodus, for instance, and of course here, um, you're talking the the seventh day, and to the Jewish people, they would recognize that as what Saturday, and then Sunday, uh, we know that is considered to be the first day of the week. Yeah. Now we Our work week, a lot of the time, most of us think of as Monday being that, but really the first day of the week, because of Jesus Christ being raised, that's why the Sabbath then later was moved as far as a worship day, if you want to have a day laid out. And the, the church, early church met when? Not only on a Sabbath, but then they met together even on the first day of the week, when you come together, I think in Acts 20, when whenever you come together on the first day of the week, bring your your offerings that we're we're collecting here. Paul's going to be coming by, and, or we're going to be coming by and to pick that up for Jerusalem, the collection. Uh, so first day of the week, that's that's why we do it. It celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how that's transferred over. I don't think we. A lot of people call that the Sabbath. It doesn't bother me. You look at the Puritan writings, and they'll say the Sabbath. But I know they're talking about Sunday. But if you really want to talk about the Sabbath, I think to the Jewish person, they're going to think of that Saturday, the seventh day uh, of the week. Uh, I don't get hung up necessarily on you know how people interpret that. But it, I mean, if one wants to take it as the Sunday Sabbath, uh, there's a special day that's set aside. We might get into that in a moment. Well, but when Paul was preaching, it was every day of the week. It's it, it's what it is. As a matter of fact, the early church met when they met every day, right? Yeah. End of the wee hours. What is worship? Worship's an everyday, ongoing thing. We've entered the rest. We're already in that, and so that prototype is now fulfilled in the person of Christ. Our day of rest is every day. Our day of worship is every day as being in Christ, even though we are in these fleshly bodies. In summary, seven could have continued. I mean, if, if you think through this in, in, in the sense of maybe a humanistic, uh, absolute perfection. Think of it. This seventh, which means complete fulfillment, everything, you know. There was no decay. 
There's no sickness, no death, no pain, no weeds, no thorns, no briars, no labor. Anything that you did, you enjoyed it so thoroughly and it didn't, you didn't even sweat. You just enjoyed doing everything you did. It was, it was not secular. It was just all a part of worshiping God. Adam could have remained, in a, in a human way here, could have remained in a perfect, delightful place of rest. Can you imagine that? <laughs> well, this is the positive aspect of the meaning. God looked at it, just enjoyed it with perfect pleasure. The first Sabbath was the most delightful Sabbath in the history of the universe. What a delightful day. I don't know how many more Sabbath days there were or weeks, months, years. I don't know when sin happened. But according to their time that they lived on earth, it probably wasn't very long. I can't produce that down into days or months, years, but probably pretty quick. Uh, they ruined that. Um, on the seventh day, do you see evening and morning in Genesis? We've been seeing that all along, right? First day, all the way through the sixth day. On the, you know, there was evening and morning. Seventh day, you don't see it. It isn't there. You keep looking for it, it's not there. And you know that, that God put those there before. Every word is accounted for, uh, constructed perfectly in what God has given us here in His Scripture. There must be a reason of what's happening. God has everything so well thought out. That's why we're still in it. And is, that, Paul, is that what she was pointing out? Paul was saying every day? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and we we should recognize that, but um, God was enjoying it. He was delighting in it, and it was the light of God to to see the work of His hands. This had never existed before. How delightful! How well pleased God must have been. Like we say, no decay here, um, no no death. Um, think of the pristine blue skies. You've been seeing some blue skies lately every once in a while with the beautiful sunshine. It's just beautiful. Clear as can be. Just gorgeous. Imagine that and then the stars that are like diamonds that are sparkling. Uh, a brilliant blazing sun. See, we, we see things through a glass dimly, Right? And things are seem to be pretty clear and pretty sharp, but think of the colors. Think of how drastic the change is going to be when we see when things are glorified and uh, to a state the, the magnificent colorings of the flowers and such, the stately trees, and we, we see some of that today, but it's still tainted because of sin. There's still a corruption there. God must have delighted in His fullest sense when he walked through the garden and then fellowshiped with man, his great creation, and fellowship with his wife, and who he named Eve, Adam did. What a delight it must have been in that situation as we have this seventh day. And, boy, it, you'd like to get back to that, but there's going to be something better. And glorification, I think that's where we're 
eventually going to head with what Adam and Eve had there. That was a beautiful picture of the way it was going to be, but in the glorified state, that's where everything uh, is supposed to aim anyway. But the, um, the, the Sabbath ceremonial law was given to Israel, and there was never any mention of Sabbath until you get into chapter 16 of Exodus, and that's where you first see it mentioned, Exodus 16.23. And then when you get into Exodus 31, 16 and 17, again he brings that forth and you see a lot of restrictions for the Israelites. Here are things that you can't do on the Sabbath. You can't remain in your your dwelling area. The furthest you can go is, was it a half a mile that you could travel to the temple? So you had to be real close to there. Uh, But Adam's dwelling place was the whole Garden of Eden. He could go anywhere. There were no restrictions ever put on Adam. We never see that Sabbath law put on him. But he's the fulfillment of why the law is there. It's not a thing of, oh no, here's the Sabbath law. I've got to do this. I can't do this. No, the Sabbath is delightful. People who recognize what the Sabbath is today, what it really means as we were talking about worship, we delight in that. We take joy in it, like God does. No fires were to be kindled on the Sabbath. You couldn't start a fire. You couldn't have a fire going. What they do for food? Well, you get it prepared the night before, but you can't have any fires going. Well, Adam doesn't have to worry about that. He doesn't need to start any fires in the Garden of Eden. Why? Because he doesn't eat the meat. And they have the perfect food. Anytime he gets hungry, I mean, if he wants something, how hungry do they get? I don't even know about that. If you see something, though, you see some fruit, you just pick it off the tree and eat it. And this is this had to be the most wonderful food. He didn't need a fire. He just ate fruits and vegetables. And believe me, they would have been the satisfaction, the peak. We can't imagine how good this could have been. Um, they were to do no work on the Sabbath, right? We know that. Well, Adam really didn't have to toil. God gave him duties to do, which he enjoyed thoroughly doing those. Taking care of the garden, right? Tending that, but without really expending any energy or sweat. It was something that you enjoyed doing. You don't have to do it. It's part of what you want to do. Hmm. No need to store any food. The food is always there. Think about it. You don't have to worry about next week... What do I have to, What groceries do I need to get? We're running out of this, running out of that. We were just talking about that earlier. Oh, we're already out of this. Where did that go? You never have to worry about that. Uh, how about building shelter? No, no need to worry about building a shelter. You have the whole Garden of Eden, a perfect place. What a room to live in. Okay, you can't buy and sell on the Sabbath, right? We know about that. Boy, we break all these rules, don't we? Did they? Did Adam have to cover up, I mean, when he laid down the sleepers, you know... No need to. Was he ever cold? No. No. Perfect temperature. Always. Everything is perfect. God said... What did God say? 
It was very good. <laughs> Did you know that Adam had every need met by God? Everything was supplied, and he really enjoyed it. I mean, everything was there. That's right. It was just there. All the supplies. We do, but we have to work for it too. Uh, I mean, and he did. He had jobs to do, but yet at the same time, we know that um, because of the result of sin, uh, there's going to be struggles. Uh, sometimes, I, but I, I, I know that God takes care of us. There are Christians across the world who maybe are not getting their needs met like what we are, and maybe some of them aren't aren't getting any food whatsoever. God is still going to take care of them in the long run, and even if they do die, they're going to be with Him. He's not going to desert them. But, but as a general principle, He does take care of His people. Always does. He supplies them in a, in a way that we can't even imagine, we forget about. Now, Moses' law was a ceremonial reminder of what God's original design was for human life that was involved. That The law comes in, the law wasn't there at, at Adam and Eve, um, but what God is wanting to do is let's have this special day set aside because I know people are going to forget they're going to forget God, aren't they? Throughout the week. They shouldn't. Uh, hopefully we are thinking of God all the way through, praying always, you know, being God conscious. But sometimes we, we forget about God as we're having to do our regular duties of, of the day. But He wants them to make sure that they give Him a day where they employ themselves in the worship of God. To give one day to God. One day. That's what God wants. Because it's good for us. We'd say, well, it's a burden on me. Well, let me tell you, if we didn't have a day off, can you imagine what it would do to us physically, mentally, spiritually? And you can look at all sorts of reports about people who have worked seven days a week without taking any time off, and you can see what happens to them. It doesn't take too much to imagine, does it? We've heard about it. We we might have had that happen to us where we didn't want to, but we were put in a position where we had no other thing to go by. Um, did Adam have any kind of restrictions outside of the the tree? Good and evil? No restrictions. No Sabbath rest uh, is really... Uh, no Sabbath or rest is mentioned for man here. It's talking about the rest that God had. There's no need for laws in Eden before that sin. And it's a permanent pattern. It's a permanent pattern. God made us in His image, right? And He made us so that we would be at our best. He knew that we would need at least one day where we just rested. And so that closely parallels his activities that he did for six days. He sets a principle up here. And here is, uh, there's a creation week, and then he takes a day off. <laughs> People show signs of fatigue, I think, when they, they miss one day of rest. And boy, it can, uh, it can uh, wreak all sorts of havoc. 
So I, I think as we look at Exodus and the law that's put forth, I think we see a literal six-day creation there. I think it's a definite great case for that. How about the restless world that we're in? The world is restless. I think the world is like a, an ocean with the waves that just keep um, you know, coming and, and hitting hard. The waves never seem to be restful at peace. There's always something going on. We have a lot of options in our times that we live in and all the technology. The world is speeding by. I'm telling you, you know, everybody says, hey, uh, time seems to be going by faster than it ever did before. Everybody I talk to says that. I have to wonder if it's because we have so many things, so many busy things, I don't think we can keep up with the rate that it's going. I think we live in an age of distress, an age of restlessness, and it just goes on and on. I think a lot of the heart attacks, the strokes, emotional breakdowns that happen are due to restlessness. That is uh, kind of the nature of man. No getting the day of rest. But I don't think it's the high rate of speed that is the ultimate problem. That is a problem. But what's the ultimate problem? It's sin. Let's get to the believer's rest. We're just we're going to have to close this up. But we have to go back to Hebrews chapter 4. And here's our rest. It's not one particular day... Uh, necessarily, even though Sunday is very important, worship is very important with God's people. I mean, that's a that's a what a, a an appointment. It's a divine appointment with God and His people when they come together. It, it is really key to our lives. But let's look at the believer's rest. We saw God's rest. Here's where God wants us. Hebrews four three says, "For we who have believed do enter." that rest as he has said and then so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest he's talking about in um, the uh, the days they were out in the wilderness and you had a lot of stiff-necked people who were unbelieving they were poneros they had evil hearts and that word evil is never used for a believer that's how unbelieving they were they, they were evil and he didn't let them go into the promised land until it was time uh, so he's comparing that, but he says, we who have believed, we enter that rest. The believers entered the rest back in those days. And he's using that illustration, that picture, to show that we today can enter rest. Now go to verse 8. For if Joshua, and there we go, going back to the Old Testament at that time in the wilderness, if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken on another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest, God's rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So he compares it to creation. You have entered the Sabbath rest. Your Sabbath ultimately is in Christ right now. You have fulfilled that rest. It will be fulfilled in the future. There will be a complete redemption where we enter that rest, eternal state. Fantastic. I look forward to that, right? Mm. But we're already at rest. That's how we fulfill the Sabbath. That's why in in the uh, Ten Commandments, we're not breaking that law when we don't worship on Saturday. People get all bent out of shape. 
Some religions, some in Christianity, Seventh Day Adventist, Seventh Day Baptist, Seventh Day, you know, you go on and on. You know, they, probably every denomination has some Seventh Day guy because they read this and say, "Oh, we're going to break the the Ten Commandments, so therefore we have to worship on Saturday." <laughs> um, in Colossians two, I think uh, sixteen and seventeen is the new moon, Sabbaths, feast, such. Those are all symbols. Those are all types. They've all been fulfilled by who? Christ. He is our Sabbath rest. So in that sense, it's been fulfilled. Nice to know. I I have a quote, and I'll probably have to close with this. I wanted to get into the blessing. God's rest is also rested from His works as God rested from His. So is that referring to our trying to work and be good enough? Right. We rest in His work of redemption and the rest of God, the, the peace, the joy, all of that that comes in who Christ is. Well, that his his works. I was wondering that too. His works and his God's works. Right. Not his works as a man's works. Well, you right. think a creation in creation we see all of God's works in redemption. We see God's work as far as Christ is concerned. We see the cross, the the work that was finished. Uh, it's our salvation. We can't do anything there to to please God in that sense. But once we become in His rest, now we can be like Adam was when he wasn't behind the law or underneath the law, all they had to do was just live out the life that God had given him, what a rest that he had, even though he had duties to do. He was to name the animals on that first, uh, on that sixth day of creation. He had uh, a wife there, um, and he was to take care of the garden, you know, and, and take dominion over the animals, and the birds, the fish, and everything. Uh, but he, that was a thing that he automatically wanted to do because God had put it into him. That's the way it is with Christians. Now, as we enter the rest, we desire to be obedient. I'm going to close with one quote. It's, it's rather lengthy. It's one paragraph. Robert Murray Machine. And um, this comes from... Um, what was the name of the book that, that you showed me the other day? Uh, Robert Murray Machine. Yeah, Bonars, um, uh, dealing with, uh, I can't think of the name of it. His, it was a kind of a collection of meditations and such, right? Um, this is really beautiful. And I wished I had it printed up for you where you could read it over and over again. I'm going to read it and then we'll have to close here. I'm way late, I'm sorry. But this is really good. Uh, I didn't write it. <laughs> so it's got to be good. <laughs> It's a t- and he's talking about the Lord's Day here, okay? Talking about the we get to resemble and show that rest, okay? When we come to worship on 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 a day, and even like this, okay? But on that day that God has set aside for the church to meet together, the first day of the week, he says this. It's a type of heaven. It's a type of heaven. When a believer lays aside his pen or loom, brushes, aside his worldly cares, leaving them behind with his weekday clothes, and comes up to the house of God, like church, 
It's like the morning of the resurrection. He compares it to the morning of Jesus' resurrection. When the believer... Um, uh, no, the, the day when we shall come out of great tribulation into the presence of God and the Lamb. Oh, our resurrection. Okay? When we see Christ. When the believer sits under the preached Word and hears the voice of the shepherd leading and feeding his soul, it reminds him of the day when the Lamb that is in the midst of the throne shall feed him and lead him to living fountains of water. When he joins in the psalm of praise, it reminds him of the day when his hands shall strike the harp of God, where congregations never break up and Sabbaths have no end. They just keep going. When he said break up, that means they, you know, we have to go home somewhere along the day on, on that Sunday, right? We're fellowshipping and say, boy, it's too bad. We just couldn't just keep have this go on for the next few weeks, right? We're talking there has no end. When he retires and meets with God in secret in his closet or like Isaac in some favorite spot near his dwelling, it reminds him of the day when he shall be a pillar in the house of God and go out no more. This is the reason why we love the Lord's day. This is the reason we call the Sabbath a delight. Now, he's calling the Sabbath Sunday. And I don't have any trouble with that. I know what they're doing. This is what a lot of your Puritans did. There were guys in the 1700s called it. A well-spent Sabbath we feel to be a day of heaven upon earth. We love to spend the whole time in public and private exercises of God's worship except so much as is taken up in works of necessity and mercy. Certain things that we're still to do. We love to rise up early on that morning and to sit up late that we may have a long day with God. Speaking of that worship day. That's precious. That's precious. So it's, it's delighting in it even more. It's a special day that God has given. When He had that seventh day, it was special to Him. Um, and as far as the church is concerned, uh, that's the first day of the week resurrection. So quite a quite a thing that uh, machine kind of related to us there, as far as. Um